Good morning. Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. Getting my candle lighting stuff. Oh, yeah, thank Arnie. I, the, the meditator guy was supposed to move that chair, and he forgot. Who was, who was me? The, the meditation girl. That's right. That's okay. I grew up with seven sisters, man, and I wore a lot of their hand-me-downs growing up, so I got no problem there. It toughens you up because people want to fight you when you go to school with your sister's dress on, so... So I had to quit playing hockey. I was the biggest guy in the team, so every time a fight broke out, here we go again. All right. So no fighting today, okay? But that's what brought us... You know what? We have all of humanity here today. And it's a beautiful thing because none of us are ever stuck where we think we're stuck. So it's exciting. Great stuff I want to share with you today. I'm just... I've been immersed in uh, this work the last three days and the wonderful thing about it is is that what what you'll see today or what I get to share with you is it's called practice repetition I have probably read this chapter that I'm going to share with you today from the living the science of mind 20 times in the last three days and it's beautiful stuff so practice 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 so I'm going to sound the gong we're going to drop into um, 30 seconds of silence and then we'll do an affirmative prayer And then I have uh, something that um, I'm very eager and grateful to be able to uh, share with you. All right, you ready? What I would say to you, I'm gonna talk a lot about this in second service, so if you can stay for both, good on you. And you can still, and we'll give you another donation envelope if you're here for two, so don't worry about that at all. Um, Is that um, the closest self Persona to the divine is the vulnerable child. And that's why we get quiet in spiritual practice. That's why we settle ourselves. There's a quietness and a gentleness. The soul, the individual soul, to to move into the, the greater soul, it requires patience, compassion, love. And that one self that vulnerable child is the most readily available for the soul. They're holding hands all the time. So let your kid come out today, that vulnerable child, because it's a beautiful thing. It's the doorway. So let's drop into silence together, and I'll offer a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. 
And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so as I ground myself at the center of the labyrinth today and speak these words, I invite you to allow my words to be your words. And I move into communion, as Dr. Holmes so beautifully described in this chapter today. Communion with the one, with the universality, the unitive consciousness, and standing in that unitive consciousness, allowing myself to stand on two legs this day, one of power and one of vulnerability. I show up in wholeness. And so this is who I have come here to be this day, wholeness. And to understand that the Christ lies sleeping within many, but is awakened within us today. That Christ is the place where our humanity comes together with divinity. And so I'm just so grateful to know that each one of us received something beautiful this day. That in the quiet spaciousness of this moment, the great good that we have the opportunity to dwell upon finds its way to us. So let us put down in this moment anything in opposition to great good. Let us stand grounded in the value of what great good represents for us. Love, compassion, generosity of spirit, abundance, vibrant health. Whatever great good is for you, this in, infinite presence and intelligence simply says yes. So let's slow down in this moment. The muchness of life, the scheming and the projects, let's put it all down in this moment and come into concert and union with that divine presence. Something beautiful is happening here. I can feel it. I'm surrounded by it as I stand in this circle, this circle of love. For this I give thanks. I know that this day and each one of us is blessed not just intellectually, but energetically, that there is a cleansing, there is a lifting, and there's a vibrancy as we give birth to more and more of our essence, the truth of our being. For this I give thanks, I invite you to say with me, and so it is. So today we're talking about, back to the basics, 100 years of the science of mind and spirit, and it's once again from uh, Dr. Holmes, Living the Science of Mind. Today's chapter is Belief, Faith, and Prayer. So it's very simple, and yet it's so profound. This guy was, Dr. Holmes was such an amazing guy. If you're interested, I would say, I always recommend to people, if you're interested in understanding the science of mind, before you buy the textbook, and that's a great book, but you may, this Living the Science of Mind is a great book. It looks like that. We have a few in the bookstore. Mine looks like this. And... Uh, I was playing hide-and-seek with it this morning. So I, have, I have two up here now, but I did find it. I just have good news for you. There's a lot going on, right? Have you noticed that in life, a lot going on? When you walk in, you can sign the banner, and we've got uh, the queue process going, and we've got... Uh, today we're doing our candle ritual, and 
connection cards. Thank you, Steve. And so someone mentioned to me, it's a bit overwhelming walking in here. Uh, so slow down, please. And they said, yeah, we can do that. So I get it. So don't let it overwhelm you. I have really good news. Really, really good news. It's all going to work out in the end. So it always does. So if you're getting overwhelmed, go talk to Steve. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in the second service, how we show up our primary selves. But, but we're here to help support you. And, and some of our, our, our passion around that bubbles up. And it's all good. It's all working out well. Um, so I want to get into this. Let me move some paperwork around here. So that I'm prepared for success. So in this beautiful chapter called Belief, Faith, and Prayer, Dr. Holmes um, has some amazing and beautiful things, and I've got a couple illustrations I want to share with you today as well. So what is belief? As Dr. Holmes says in this chapter, belief is a thing. Belief is a certain way of thinking. It's a certain way of thinking, and it is an activity of consciousness. So we all have, it's done unto us, the great teachers, Dr. Holmes writes about in this chapter, it is done unto us as we believe. Would anybody disagree with that? I mean, that seems to be a common denominator throughout. The Buddha said that your thinking creates your life. So, there, you know, it's not just Jesus saying it, and, and we, for the most part, as metaphysicians, understand that. Belief is a thing of thought, and being a thing of thought, we can change beliefs. Isn't that good news? We are the only species on the planet that has the ability to change thought, because most species on the planet other than us live by instinct. They live by seasons and tendencies and, and uh, you know, whatever that species is. But we can change belief. Easier said than done. If what a man believes, so all of these slides come from this chapter, come from Dr. Ernest Holmes. If what a man believes is what is going to happen to him or her, the most important thing to do is to regulate our beliefs so that what happens will be good for us. And we will be glad to have it happen and joyously welcome it. So simple. So simple. And yet, it's a challenge because we get into the world, and he, he speaks of this in the, a bit later in the chapter. We get into the world and there's a lot of negativity. Have you notice that? A lot of people that don't resonate with this idea because they're very much invested in competition. So... What is most likely to change our belief from negative to a positive viewpoint? What is it, Dr. Holmes asks? What thought, what hope, what expression, what stimulus is most likely to change our belief? Jesus said it this way. Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount, as we have it, in one of his most well-known um, lectures. And he said that, blessed are the meek, so they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, meek for many has always been considered, you know, this vulnerability. And, and what meek is, in the truest sense of the word, and I've done a lot of research on this and looked at many insights and in people that I respect, meek simply means power under control. That we can go to war with one another. We all have the capacity to judge and point fingers and be angry. I was on the debrief session yesterday with our Q people. And so what we're doing with the Q process, which Q means quantum, and we look at the triggers in our lives. 
and we look deeply at them. So we move into them rather than away from them. We don't pray over them, we look at them because in the cue process we agree to or we don't, but the invitation is to agree to it that it has come to be healed. And when we can move into it, we stop having it drive us. And we create more room for something beautiful to happen through us. But unless we bring healing to it, and, when, and it takes courage, because it's easy to go into, to use spiritual practice for spiritual bypass. You know, it's like the religious scientist that died and ends up in hell. And he's standing in the corner with a fan, and he's going like this, and he's saying, it's not hot and I'm not here. It's not hot and I'm not here. It's not hot and I'm not here. It's called spiritual bypass. So this idea that we, we, um, we have this opportunity for transformation. Holmes says, what expression, what stimulus is most likely to change our belief? The blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because you can be meek when you understand how powerful you are and who you truly are. And so meek does not mean weakness. It means you understand there's a wholeness there. Jesus also said, blessed are the peacemakers, so they shall be the children of God. Why would he say such a thing? The vulnerability of the inner child he was speaking to. He didn't run around hammering people. You know, he threw people out of the temple one day. And he didn't take any guff from anybody. He challenged the status quo. That was his courage. But he did it from his own sense of integrity and power. So he didn't just, he wasn't a, a, a wallflower. He took a stand and he understood who he was. But blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be the children of God. There's an innocence in it. It takes a lot of consciousness, a lot of courage, and a lot of power, as well as bringing that child, that wholeness, to, to represent peace on this planet. I mean, it's still not a very popular idea. It scares a lot of people. And that is exactly what Dr. Holmes picked. So it is important to understand this is our possibility. Dr. Holmes says in other statements, he showed us how to reform our beliefs so that it could partake of the nature of reality and would contain within itself everything necessary for our well-being. This is also what the apostle meant when he said that we should think on things whatsoever are good, true, and beautiful. Think on things whatever are good, true, and beautiful because there's an energy to it and that those are values. So we only have 2,000 bits that we can process at any one time and there are 400 billion bits available to us at all the time. So we can only focus on the things that we can focus on and it's really important for us to figure out what those values are and give them, all, give them our best, bring our best. So we move to faith. Faith is an affirmative mode of thought. An affirmative mode of thought. You have faith in something. It's an affirmative mode of thought, whatever it may be. You may have faith that, that nothing will ever work out for you and this infinite presence will say, you got it. You believe nothing will ever work out for you? Here you go, you got it. Or you can have a different experience with faith. Faith says, I can rather than I cannot or I shall not. But I think you can have negative faith. I have a, uh, I have a woman that I've been working with for about two years around a project. And it's been remarkable to do prayer work with her. She's been here once or twice. She came in one day. She gave me an envelope full of money. I said, I need your consciousness to pray for me. And there was a lot of money in the envelope. I looked at it and I said, wow, she's serious. So I went to work praying. Praying and praying and praying. Then sometimes she'd call me three times a week. And I'd agreed to pray. And we learned a lot from one another. 
because I got to teach once in a while and she got to learn. And when she would get in a panic, she would call and borrow my consciousness. So I'm not going to give you any details or any names, but it's been remarkable to watch and there's some remarkable things happening in her life. And so we talked yesterday and I said, how did you get so invested and enrolled in affirmative prayer as a practice in your life? See, I have prayer partners that I call on all the time. If you don't have a prayer partner in your life, you're missing out. You want to, you know, it's like putting water in your gas tank. It's not going to get you far, but you can keep doing it. So what we bring, one of the outstanding qualities that brings us in these, these doors is one of the outstanding qualities that keeps us from evolving. Because we've put down the status quo of faith and we've come into something that's more, uh, that's got more juice in it for us. But the very quality that brings us in the door, which is our defiance for the status quo, keeps us from stepping in and engaging it in a more powerful way and saying, you know, I can use your help. Man, I could use a prayer partner. So anyway, this beautiful woman, two years, I think she's been here twice in two years. There's remarkable things happening in her life. But I said to her yesterday, how did you get onto this? Why do you have such faith in this? And she said, years ago, I was in Calgary. And she said, I went to the Calgary Center for Spiritual Living. It was called something else then positive living maybe and she said I, I went up to one of the practitioner students there's Johnny and David's in the back our practitioner interns it's called now and she said I need to borrow your consciousness she said I didn't have two nickels to rub together and I didn't have a job and she said I was living in my car and I said pray with me I gotta borrow your consciousness pray with me and she said Within a year, she said it didn't happen overnight. But within a year, she said, I had this amazing job. I was making cold calls for this man in this business. She didn't tell me the details of what it was. I didn't ask. And she said, within a year, I did so well making cold calls for this guy. I got back on my feet. I got, had money in the bank. I had a, a nice place to live. At the end of the year, he gave me a $100,000 bonus. I said, well, thanks. Now I know some of the background. And so it's been my opportunity to work with someone that whenever they go into doubt and fear and, and get scared, they call up and say, I need a prayer. All right, well, let's, because what I've been able to do, that one of the gifts that I, I've been doing this 20 years. You know, people say to me, boy, you do beautiful prayers. You practice anything for 20 years, you better get pretty good at it. Unless you're a hockey player for the Oilers, but other than that, you should get good at it. I want to pick on those guys. They're a young team. They're having their right and perfect experience. But the, I share that with you because I'm going to tell you something. That is unique. That is unique. And it requires, and yet you've got to find the right person. You're drawn to the right person. If you're not doing that, not to, you're not participating in that, you are missing out. It's one of the foundational pieces of affirmative prayer. You borrow someone's conscience to create a different idea. Otherwise, we go right up into our heads and we come up with all these schemes and we find reasons and then we start justifying our failure. Well, there's not enough. Or, as the Q process will show us, we think we're not enough. You're, you are amazing. You are, you are eternal and powerful. You are more than enough. And somebody convinced you you weren't. So how do we unravel that? Because you can do it. You, eventually, we're all going to get there. I would just like to help accelerate the process. Because when you, when you come to me and you tell me and you point your finger at me and say, there's not enough, I get to do my own spiritual practice. Because sometimes you convince me. Then I got to go home and I got to do my own forgiveness work and put it down. 
And, but the, the great thing is life is full of failure. See, this isn't a straight line to the top. It requires practice. It requires commitment. But we're, already, we're committed to something anyway. Most of us are committed to lack and limitation. That's what's going on in the world. We have more bullying going on now, more suicides than ever before, more pharmaceutical drugs going into people's bodies. Because we need it fixed and we need relief now. Well, it might not happen overnight. It might take a little bit of time to unravel all that you've raveled. So, Dr. Holmes said, instead of saying there's not enough, good to go around, which most people would agree with, resources are limited. We say all the power there is is devoted to my good. I am not afraid of poverty because all the power there is is devoted to giving me abundance. God provides me with every good thing today, every day, always. I guarantee you, you say that for 60 days straight, just once a day, something will start shifting in you. It's right there. Let's say that. Would you, are you willing to say that together with me right now? Let's use that right now. Take a picture of that if you can. Well, don't take the picture right now. Let's say it together and we'll leave it up there. All the power there is is devoted to my good. I am not afraid of poverty because all the power there is is devoted to giving me abundance. God provides me with every good thing today, every day, always. Amen. Yes, and to agree with that. And to agree with that. Because what's going to happen? You're going to go out into a world of negativity and lack. And people are going to say, you're nuts. And you just say to them, look at them and say, thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. And then silently you can say, no, 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 no. See, we don't have to convince anybody else. We just have to convince ourselves. We don't have to convince anybody of this. There's no convincing required. We're getting ready to do our candle lighting ceremony today. And we'll, we'll set you up for that. We'll set you up for success today. See, because this is such a rich, amazing environment. There's amazing things happening here. We have got stuff happening now with this, this mission-centric ministry that we stepped into. We had a beautiful conversation with Dr. Gary Simmons, and Gary's been being commissioned. We, good that we got on board with him. The entire unity movement, which is 400 churches, are adopting his mission-centric program because their churches are closing, falling apart, and what he said is that they, he was at a conference. They had a big summit this week, the Unity people did. And then Steve and Laura and I were on the phone with them Friday doing one of our sessions. He said, the futurists say that, that the Lutheran church is now predicting they have 23 Easter's left and they'll close their doors because the model doesn't work anymore. 23 Easter's left. There's going to be a lot of churches for sale, huh? I've always liked that Liz Gilbert thing. Buy a church, live in it, make it your home. Start looking around. Look. And I'll never get out of church. But the point is, is that the times, they are a-changing, folks. And what worked, the, the millennials and the Generation Xers are leaving church like they've never seen before. Because they know. They know. That old model doesn't work. And there's a lot of pieces to it that don't work. But what's happening is we're giving birth to a new model. And it's exciting. So... Whatever faith, whatever we can have faith in and have faith in can understand we may experience according to the law of cause and effect. This law is immutable. 
invariable and absolute. It always says yes. It can only do one thing and agree with us. That's the law. It's impersonal. It's the nature of what this works, and that's why it's so important for us to look at what we believe, look at where we have triggers, to have some tools in our life. I don't want people to be miserable and look at what's uncomfortable, but unless we move in, we'll always use spiritual practice to push things away. And once we move in and we realize, oh, that's just me getting scared, and I make a place for that within myself, then it doesn't run me. Or as we said last week in that partner book, the thing I'm, we're going to use, Second Service, the beautiful book by Hal and Sidra Stone, that if we don't have it resolved within us, if we don't bring it to wholeness within ourselves, we will bring it into our lives in the form of another person who plays those unowned aspects of ourselves out. Opposites attract for a reason, because we long for wholeness. It's one of the, our soul longs for wholeness, completion, wholeness. So faith in love overcomes the belief in hate. Dr. Holmes writes about this in this chapter. Faith in love overcomes the belief in hate. Faith in life destroys our fear of death. Because there is no death. We put these bodies down. We are eternal. Always have been, always will be. Our nature is such that faith routes all fear all along the line. That's why it's important to have faith, understand. And the understanding is not an intellectual understanding. It's knowing in our hearts, in our minds. We can learn to have faith in abundance rather than in poverty. We can change our thought in regard to lack. This is what treatment is for. Instead of saying there's not enough good to go around, we say all the power there is. All the power there is is devoted to my good. I'm not afraid of poverty because all the power there is is devoted to giving me abundance. God provides me with every good thing today, every day, always. Such statements as these, Dr. Holmes says, will change our belief from denial to one of positive faith. Whatever one can have faith in and have faith in can understand, we may experience according to the law of cause and effect. God provides me with every good thing today. The law is immutable, invariable, unassailable, absolute. But someone may ask, this is a question he brings up, is faith in lack equal to faith in abundance? Good question, huh? Holmes says the answer to this question is that there is neither lack nor abundance. As such, there is merely what is and the way it works. In other words, we give a term to it. We define it as lack or abundance. When in fact, as Holmes says, at that spiritual level, it's just what is. And it's a result of consciousness. So when we can... It's tough for our minds to not want to say it's lack or abundance, but it's just what is. And And the law can only do for us what it can do through us. To understand that, it's our opportunity. It's like, wow, why not latch on, hitch your wagon to a star, as Ralph Waldo Emerson said. Then we get into prayer. Prayer is communion of the soul with the oversoul. So individualized soul with the whole. From the, from the, from the divergent to the covergent. From the particle to the wave. Part of the practice in the cue is to give your, your, your particular Challenge back to the wave where it would be cleansed, flushed, transformed. Prayer is communion of the soul with the oversoul, with the divine creative presence which is not only in the soul but which is the soul. It is more than an individuation, it is also universality. Prayer in the truest sense is not a petition, not a supplication, it is rather an alignment, a unifying process. 
which takes place in the mind and it takes place in the heart as well, as it reaches to its divine self and to the power which is greater than human understanding. That's why I moved to the center of the labyrinth to do the prayer with you today. I wanted to be grounded in the middle of the energy that you represent because we connect and it's easier for me to open that doorway when I'm, when I'm more connected and to be in the middle of it, be on that beautiful labyrinth, the center of that labyrinth, which is a sacred symbol. And people that have walked that beautiful labyrinth and processed an energy, it's right there. And I know that and feel that. Prayerful communion descends to the place where unity has not yet become variety. So the oneness has not yet become individualized. It's going to the, the, the source of all life where the unformed one is ready to take any specific shape that we give it, that we ask of it. In this act of communion, the individual becomes co-partner with the eternal and gives birth to time, space, and conditions. Time, space, and conditions. Holmes writes about fasting and prayer. Jesus talked about fasting and prayer. He writes about it in this chapter. He said, fasting and prayer, Jesus meant such a complete concentration to the ideal that the creative genius of the universe passed immediately into self-expression through our imagination. So when we're connected in that deep communion, which is what he's talking about for prayer, then whatever we can imagine has greater opportunity to be expressed. Make sense? Just like this woman that asked me two years ago to pray for something that is, and is quite complex, and I'm going to write about it. I'm excited about what's happening in this woman's life, and I've been part of it. This beautiful discussion yesterday about it, and it's exciting to watch the principal work. Every time doubt crept in, man, she was on that phone calling me, and sometimes I said to her, I am not your prayer cabana boy. And then I would do the prayer. So we had the real conversation. That's a beautiful thing. Suppose we call fasting a determination to refuse further contemplation of the negative. What if every time you go into doubt and worry, you say, oh, wait a minute, I'm fasting. I'm fasting from that. I don't participate in that. This would be passing from death to life, from negation to affirmation, from denial into acceptance. I accept all the good. There's a great good out there. Emma Curtis Hopkins said there's a great good out there and I ought to have it. She taught the Fillmores who started the unity movement. She taught Ernest Holmes. She taught the ladies that started Divine Science, Nona Brooks and her sister. She was a teacher of teachers. She was remarkable. Remarkable woman, Emma Curtis Hopkins. She started out as Mary Baker Eddy's secretary as a young girl. She was a brilliant student. Mary Baker Eddy founded Christian Science. And... Uh, Emma said to her one day, I think you're leaving some things out. And, and Mary Baker Eddy couldn't contemplate that. And so they got into an argument. And Emma said, I'm out of here. She went to Chicago, started her own institute, attracted students, transformed consciousness, empowering people to make creative and powerful positive differences in the world. And we're, we're here as a result of Emma. No doubt. So fasting and prayer. In this transformation of thought through faith, faith and belief in communion of the soul with its source would become a pronouncement rather than a petition. It's a knowing rather than a guessing or a pleading and begging. This is the position which the enlightened of all ages have taken, as Dr. Holmes said. The position that all the enlightened of the ages have taken. Prayer. Think on things that are true, lovely, of good report. We should dwell on these things rather than on their apparent opposites. Things that are lovely, that are true, 
What is your medicine in your life? It's all different for us. Is it music? Is it, is it meditation? I saw this beautiful article by Dr. Joe Dispenza this week about meditation. And, and meditation should be an experience of that you're just so excited about seeing your new lover. There's a new lover. It's God. It's the infinite. It's that space to dive into that. I thought it was such a beautiful metaphor. Holmes says he or she must come to believe that there is a divine power awaiting his or her use. He or she must fully understand that he or she knows how to use it, and then he must proceed definitely to make use of this power, which is within all of us. In actual practice, one's life should become a continuous communion with good. It's hard. It's hard to do that. I, I'm not telling you it's easy, but he's pointing the way for us, and there are simple ways. It's simple. It's just not easy. There are ways to get there. He says we should fast on the idea of lack and feast on the idea of plenty. We should fast on the idea of poverty and feast upon the belief in wealth. And almost surely we should abstain from contemplating uncertainties and enter into a long and eternal period of feasting upon certainty. Like this illustration that I used today about this woman that found the practitioner in the Calgary church. So it didn't happen overnight. It took time. It took time, but the door started to open. And I moved into this space. And because of that, I'm so grateful for this practitioner because I said, this is remarkable. You're a remarkable human being. You have not given up. A lot of times I do prayer work for somebody and never see them again. Yeah, we tried that. It might take more than one prayer. It just might. It might take one, more than one meditation. It might take thousands but you're, we're meditating on something anyway. We have beliefs we're meditating on all the time. Prayer, Holmes says, prayer establishes a serenity within the soul, enabling it to have confidence in the spirit of acceptance with which the divine gift is never complete. See, we must become available to the gifts that are wanting to be expressed. Or they just go on the scrap heap. We must learn to have confidence in life, to believe in the eternal goodness, and to accept the divine bounty. How about we do that one? To believe. I, let's say, I believe in the eternal goodness and the divine bounty. Let's say that together. I believe in the eternal goodness and the divine bounty. Hallelujah. Amen. Which means it is done, and so it is. So we're doing our candlelighting today. Everybody here, so we've asked you to bring candles. We have candles. I have one here that's just model. I have a tea light. I'm going to put it in this glass. We have enough glass up on these four tables for each of you to come up and light a candle. We have some beautiful music that we're going to play that's messages around transition. All of us have people that we've lost, that we love. And, and so if you're guided to that and that's alive for you, then light a candle for them because their gifts, you still carry their spirit. They're, those that, we, that love us and that we love, they're never far away. You know, I can light a candle every day for my grandfather because he did so much for me in my life in such a short period of time. He modeled and, and, and lived unconditional love. Just a beautiful guy. But there are other people that you may want to, you may have a pet you want to light a candle for. You might want to light a candle for a quality that you've learned enough from. You might want to say, you know what, I'm lighting this candle to say goodbye to this idea of lack in my life, to release this idea that I'm not good enough. 
that, that I'm not enough or there's not enough. To light a candle for any discord or disease that might be going on within you physically. To light a candle to invite greater vibrancy into your life. But whatever it is, we've got candles. The candles in the center are burning. But all of us, the epigenetics of consciousness we carry with us. What doesn't get transformed gets transmitted. And we are here as agents of transformation to empower each person that's willing and able to make a positive, creative difference in the world. We're part of that tribe. Transforming lives is what that means. To inspire people to share their gifts. That's part of our legacy. This is our opportunity. It's one of the the finest ways we can honor those we care deeply about. They've gone before us. I thought about my mom and dad this morning. I did a cue sheet this morning on my mom and dad. I was so fired up. Because I resent being born into a family with 11 kids. Because it sucks. There's never enough. There's never enough attention. I mean, it was just chaos all the time. But their legacy, if they'd made it a little bit sweeter, I never, never would have left home. I never would have found my way. So the gift in it was, it got me moving. Because I knew there had to be something better than this. Because this is not something I wanted to replicate. And my mom and dad did their best. It was their dream to have 11 kids. They would have had 25 or 30 if they could have. Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> but I get it. So I, 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 I've been able to look at that as a, from the perspective of where they were. And to bring compassion and love to them. But that little kid didn't like it. So I get to heal that, so I can move forward. And part of their legacy was to help get me launched, that spiritual level. So I share that personal antidote with you because those are the things that bubble up for me, you know? And so whatever's bubbling up for you, it's just an idea, it's just lingering there. Light your candle, let this light be a a flame of transformation for you. So I'm gonna invite Bill to put on the, the CD that we're gonna play. And it's a CD with, with uh, people, different people speaking called Graceful Passages. It's quite beautiful. So when you feel ready to come up and light your candle, there's tapers on the, on the table. Pass a taper to someone else and set your candle in the, in the glass holder first. And uh, let's know something beautiful is happening here today. No one has ever prepared us for this experience. We think it's the end. No. It's another beginning. Another beginning. to judge ourselves we're always judging ourselves but I learned to listen that I was loved I was loved 
and then I would forget that I was loved. Those were the most painful times for me, forgetting that I was loved. let yourself be loved while you've been here and you've judged yourself and you've forgotten that you were loved and you became alone but you will always be forgiven you are an angel you have to listen that you're loved and you have to forgive all the time listen that you're loved something kinesthetically which we get up and move we invite that presence into our experience and so this room is filled with many many loves and qualities we're never alone our loved ones are here with us now and so I thank you for helping create that container and it's not a container of aggression it's not a container of judgment or you know it's just how do we bring peace and forgiveness to it so we can be more available to the richness of life and fulfill our destiny and love them and honor them and put down their unhealed things that we don't have to carry anymore and so ritual's important when it has meaning when we drop in our hearts and we move forward and so this day is a beautiful day let's just say a prayer for our continued moving forward, our continued journey. Let's know that each and every one of us in this moment is reminded more often than not that we are in a constant state of communion with this divine presence. 
and it is a language and a way of being perhaps that is foreign to us. But let us remain teachable and open. And let us know that there is a power that is immutable that can never stray from what we give it to work with. So let us dwell on what is good, what is lovely, what is kind, what is generative and whole. For this I give thanks. I release these words in great gratitude and appreciation for that which I've participated in this day, that each and every one of us is the light of the world, as this great teacher said. Let us let that light shine as we move forward. In great gratitude and appreciation together we say, and so it is. Thank you, folks.